0: Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello
0: It is truly a Philly day here. Welcome to the Ringers Philly Special. Rare Friday edition. But we got a Monday night football game. So we're giving you a bonus episode Shield Capadia here, joined by Ace Producer Cliff Augustine. Bringing back one of our favorites, he's got to be like, I mean, most frequent uh, guest uh, of the Philly special so far. He's down at the NovaCare Complex every day. He can tell us what the mood's like, what the players are saying, what the coaches are saying. As we look ahead to this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the Inquire. it's EJ Smith. EJ, how are we doing, my friend?
2: I'm doing well, Sheil. It's about that time in the week where I don't know what day of the week it is anymore because of the Monday <laughs> game. I mean, it's definitely been a little bit of a, a fits and start uh, you know, beginning to the uh, regular season here, but uh no, I'm I'm uh, I'm doing well and I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having me.
0: You're you're like a coach where they're like, "Wait, what what day it is? Well, we're used to doing <laughs> this uh on this day." But yeah, it was weird. You have the Two games in five days, and then you have this big break, uh, until Monday night football. So, uh, a lot to talk, to talk about though, just two games in. I mean, I feel like a lot of this stuff when we last had you on, then when we were previewing the season or talking about training camp, a lot of stuff has flipped. So we're going to do a little, you know, gimmicky format that I like to do where I've come up with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight topics. One of them has nothing to do with the Eagles because I, I like EJ's life takes. He likes participating in those. So one of them has nothing to do with the Eagles. Seven of them are football related. EJ is going to pick a number. We're going to get to that topic and go in whatever random order we have to go through. And then at the end, uh, I'll give my prediction. If EJ has a game prediction ready, we'll get to his game prediction. Also, all right, EJ, one to eight, start us off. What do you got?
2: I'm going to start with three because there's significant meaning to this for me. Um, My first Mm. email ever, like when I was like like five (laughs) years old, was E3 Soccer. Uh, I don't actually, well, I like soccer now, but I didn't actually like <laughs> soccer at the time. Uh, it, was a, it was a really questionable decision. But um, three has always held a special place in my heart because of that uh, original Wait, email, why so. did you pick soccer then? You didn't like soccer? You just picked a random sport? <laughs> I was so young. I probably played soccer, but I definitely didn't like <laughs> soccer. Uh, you know, my dad always told me I would just run around the field. <laughs> um, like, and had, it had no like purpose at all. It was definitely not my sport, but, huh. so, uh, yeah, it was a questionable email to, for, uh, for sure. So <laughs>
0: see now what you have to do, what I did, you got you gotta get your kid's email addresses, like. I had an email address from my daughter. They were like one year old, two years old. I'm like, I'm <laughs> snatching this. Mark. I got yeah. it. And now if they can use it, whenever. Well, you picked a good one because I think this is one of the bigger questions going into this game. So here's the question. Who will be the three cornerbacks on the field Monday night when the Eagles are in nickel? And who should be? the three cornerbacks on the field Monday night when the Eagles are in nickel. So what you think they should do, what you think they will do. I think last time you were on was the day in training camp when James Bradbury was getting uh, reps in the slot. So that obviously might play a role here. What do you think? What are we going to see from the Eagles cornerback situation with Avante Maddox out?
2: So what I think they should do and what I think they will do are the same, um, at Mm -hmm. least for this week. Um, And let's start with what I think they will do. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of reading between the lines in these press conferences. You know, I think that's where I can provide some value for you here. Um, You know, I listen to these things all week and I listen closely and I kind of pick up on the the subtleties that, uh, you know, that you can kind of learn when you listen to a coach talk a lot. So, um, you know, some, I think it was Zach Berman asked uh, Nick Sirianni about how James Bradbury looked in the slot during training camp, you know, pretty standard question to ask. And Nick was like, Yeah, I don't really want to get into it. (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. And it's like, hmm, okay. Like, you're citing gamesmanship, talking about how James Bradbury looks in the slot. I think that that's kind of a tell that they're at least seriously considering that. Um, And then you just kind of look at it. So, like, from there, because I I do want to mention that Sean Desai was a little less, you know, easy to read. I think he kind of talked, you know, he he talked about the the merits of both, you know, not having too many moving pieces, but also, you know, being matchup dependent. Um, and that's where I start to think more about what they should do. Um, and, you know, I know that there's an argument out there about like, oh, well, you know, you're not paying James Bradbury all this money to play him in the slot. You know, he's an outside cornerback. I think the slot has changed so much. And, you know, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, like maybe you wouldn't be, if you're playing the slot, maybe you're not seeing, you know, great receivers, but, you know, like the research that I was doing before the show, like Chris Godwin led the Buccaneers in slot snaps last year. Um, You know, he was in the slot. I think it was, I got it right here. He was in the slot 73% of the time last year. This year it's down a little bit. It's 45%. But Mike Evans was in the slot for 21% of the time this year. Um, So, you know, more like two out of three plays most of the time, you know, more time, more often than not, James Bradbury is going to be matched up against one of the, the Buccaneers two best receivers. So I don't think you need to overthink that, you know, it's like, especially like with Chris Godwin being a little bit bigger and a little bit more physical, Bradbury matches up well against that. So for this game specifically, I think that it makes a lot of sense to have Bradbury in the slot. Um, I think you'll see more base defense. You know, I think that you might see more of that five, two where they only have the two outside corners, you know? Uh, But I think when there are three cornerbacks on the field, like you asked, like I think Bradbury will be in the slot. I think Josh Job will be on the outside. Um, You know, when I watched the all 22, I thought, I thought that Josh Job looked better than Mario Goodrich. Um, You know, I think that Josh Job is an intriguing player to me. You know, I don't, I don't think he's going to be like a perennial starter or pro Bowl or anything like that. But yeah. you know, the Eagles have had some really suspect uh, out, backup outside cornerbacks in my time covering this team. I think that Josh Job, you know, again, he has some intriguing traits. I think that, you know, yeah, obviously the Jordan Addison touchdown was not his best moment, but I think, you know, at the same time, I, I heard you guys talking about it on the, you know, the previous pod with Sean, like, you know, there's a little bit of a and cover, cover and rush aspect to that. And Sean, Desai said that. Um, so, for this game specifically, I think you're going to see a, a James Bradbury in the slot. Um, you know, I could be wrong. You know, maybe Mario Goodrich has looked awesome in practice, but, um, I also wanted to note that James Bradbury was practicing with the Nichols yesterday. Um, oh, you that's know, interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah. He was, you know, they have the Nichols coach now and like he was with that group. Um, so, you know, I think there's gamesmanship at play here. I think that they don't really want us to know what's going to happen, but you know, whenever that's at play, I start, I sort of try to zoom out and just look. And think it. Think about it from their perspective. What makes sense? What you know? What are the matchups? And when you look at how much the Buccaneers line guys up in the slot, uh, you know, big like their big time receivers, and then you look at the matchup specific stuff. It makes sense. So long term, I think we could talk about like you know maybe they try and tr- target somebody in the trade market. Um, but you know, at least for this game, I think they can get by uh, with Bradbury in the slot.
0: Yeah, I don't really understand the like they're not paying him to be in the yeah. slot argument like you're not you're not benching him you know like right. he's just play <laughs> and he's just playing a different role like he's gonna play a hundred percent of the snaps uh if he's healthy and he is he he did practice like yeah he, he did was practice fully is he good
2: yeah, okay I mean, he has he had his helm he had all his pads on and that's usually a sign that like in the, the concussion protocol like you have to like practice and then not have symptoms. So I think that he's kind of in that part, you know, Nick will decline to to comment on guys in the concussion protocol. Uh, but you know, again, you can kind of read between the lines with that stuff.
0: Okay, so unless he did have symptoms, and then we're recording this on Friday before practice. So something to keep an eye on, but as long as he's practicing, you'd expect him to be back out there. Uh, I think that's the best move. I mean, I thought like I, I don't want to be too hard on Goodrich because it's like it is hard to go in there in the middle of the game where you're not. I, I know you're supposed to be ready and you know practice like a starter and all that football talk, but we see this over and over again. Like it's hard yeah. to do. You're not expecting to play, and all of a sudden Justin Jefferson is literally across from you running a corner route and you've got man coverage in the red zone like yeah you're probably that's that's a hard uh, assignment there uh i did think like just from the way goodrich moved and stuff i don't know like what his athletic testing was or any of that i was kind of like all right this looks like a guy who might have uh some issues there but we see it we've seen it before where a guy struggles when he comes in right away then gets the week of practice and uh, ends up playing well but uh, I thought Job other than like a couple reps there was really good like he had some impressive man coverage reps where he's forcing incompletions which like you said we've seen bad corner play uh, in this city before and I didn't think that's what it was now if we get to like three or four games and he's giving up an explosive play every game then sure we can be like it doesn't matter that you're good on 52 of the 53 snaps (laughs) the, the 53rd one is a 50 yard completion that's kind of the nature of playing cornerback but I thought I saw enough like there on film where I'm like all right this is pretty easy for me Bradbury Job and Slay are the three best corners so uh, I'm with you I, I think that's what I would do unless there's like information they have that we don't have here and we saw it in that game like the Vikings were like, let's move Jefferson into the slot because that's a better matchup. Like That's a pretty easy thing to do if you're an opposing offense. Mm -hmm. You don't want to make it that easy for opposing offenses. Uh, Godwin, the numbers are pretty interesting this year. Like you said, he still lines up in the slot quite a bit, not as much as last year. He only has three catches for 15 yards uh, from the slot. And last year, he had like almost 700 yards from the slot. So different offensive coordinator, different quarterback, small sample, all those things in play. Uh, but I just feel like Bradbury is, is going to be the the better option. So that's kind of like on the short list of like most intriguing things to watch about this game is who's playing that. And if it is Bradbury, how does he look?
2: Yeah. And I want to ask you, Mr. NFL writer, like, you know, this yeah. is me getting my own intel here uh, and sharing <laughs> it with everybody. So it's actually not a good job by me. Uh, but I do think that like nickel is kind of like a sneaky trade, you know, target at, at the deadline in a couple of weeks here, like. You know, and this was, I, you know, just very basic research on my part, looking at, all right, like what teams aren't very good and what teams have a nickel. And I know I, know I didn't ask you this, so I'm putting you on the spot. But yeah. like, you know, a couple of guys that I had was like Kenny Moore uh, and Jeremy Chin. And I'm trying to figure out, like, is Jeremy Chin actually like still good? Like, it seems like he kind of came on yeah. really strong and, you know, maybe has tailed off a little bit. But I think like that makes more sense to me almost than safety, because like I think that once Reed's back, like... You've got Sydney Brown, who you hope that I think they hope will eventually will eventually get on the field. You've got Reed Blankenship. I think that the nickel side of this is like a little bit more interesting with Avante Maddox out.
0: Yeah, Jeremy Chin is uh, like we've mentioned him before on this podcast because he's yeah. in the final year of his contract. Like these are the types of guys and the Panthers look like they could uh, they could stink here. And I think yeah. he's someone yeah. who can play both safety. and And nickel, and it's kind of like Chauncey Gardner Johnson last year. Like if he plays well, you can be like, "Hey, let's keep this guy around. He's young, he's athletic. Uh, I know for a fact that they liked him during that uh, during that draft." So yeah, I think that's a good name to watch. Kenny Moore is a great like veteran slot corner. I mean, he, Mm -hmm. he's probably like, I I don't know, like this year, it's only been two games, but in the past I would put him right up there basically with anyone. And he's like physical feisty, like a really good player. So, uh, I think those are both good names. I probably, yeah, need to go through every roster. Maybe I should do that before next week's episode and be like, which (laughs) team suck who could trade their slot corners. I do think it's the only reason I like Avante Maddox when they signed him. The only reason I was like, did you need to do this is because it's it's not quite running back but I do think it's a position where supply does outweigh demand like yeah. most teams aren't going into the season like shoot we can't find a slot corner like even in the draft season there's all these yeah. guys on day 2 and 3 where it's like all right I don't know about this guy on the outside but man He's really good. Like if you need a slot corner, this is the guy uh, you want to go in and target. So yeah, I do think if they feel like they need an upgrade, uh, they've got all these young developmental corners, but a lot of them, I guess they view as outside corners. So I think you take a look at those guys. Um, and if it is an issue still here in a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, I think that is something you can certainly address uh, in the trade market there. All right. That was question three. Good. We led with like a, an actual, like this is an important football question for this game. All right. What do you have? What's the next one?
2: Um, I'm going to go with five. I don't have a good reason. I just, I'm just feeling five right now.
0: <laughs> Donovan McNabb. There you go. Uh, yeah. All right. If the Eagles lose Monday night, who is the player or coach we're talking about Tuesday morning? And this is non, uh, Jalen Hurts addition. So it cannot be the quarterback. Is there someone else, a player or a coach where you say, man, if they go two and one lose this game uh, on Monday night football, this guy might, might be the reason why, or this might be the person taking some heat on Tuesday morning.
2: Might, this might be a little bit of a cop-out, but I would go with Brian Johnson. Um, I think that's who I had
0: written down also. Okay.
2: Yeah. So it's a little bit of a cop-out because it's kind of, you know, accessing the Jalen hurts discussion without really uh, you naming Jalen hurts here, but Um, I mean, I think like, you know, looking at this stretch of games in hindsight now, like this was like a murderer's row of defensive coordinators who are specifically equipped to give Jalen Hurts trouble with what he has struggled with in the past. And Todd Bowles is like, you know, the king of it, really. like If you look at what coordinators or coaches, you know, obviously he's head coach now, but if you look at which coaches have had the most success against Jalen Hurts, he's right up there. Um, you know, I think the personnel is part of it. I think, you know, them having such athletic linebackers kind of impacts Jalen Hurts is like plus one on the run game factor, you know, they can scrape guys across and, you know, count, counter that, uh, zone read stuff. And I think, you know, we've seen him struggle against these teams that will, you know, send a lot of pressure, uh, you know, kind of keep you guessing and kind of muddy up the picture. And I think that's what you're going to see against the bucks as well. So, you know, against the Vikings, like Brian Johnson kind of like, you know, did his best Shane Steichen impersonation and was like, yeah, inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, like <laughs> to spam the same play over and over and over again uh, and don't go away from it. And listen, like, I think that that is a trait that he might have noticed that Steichen did. And it, I think it's a great play calling trait to be able to not get bored and, you know, not try and get cute and say, okay, like let's counter off of that. No, I think he, you know, that's what worked against the Vikings. Is it going to work against uh, the Buccaneers? I think the Buccaneers are a little bit more talented of a defense. So I think it's going to be a, a bigger challenge, but um, you know, I think that this passing offense has got to get into gear. I think like watching the tape made me a little less like concerned about their ability to, to get there eventually. Like, you know, like it is a little bit like, well, man, like they threw two touchdown passes to A.J. Brown. And like, you know, just and I'm not saying either of the calls were wrong, but both of those calls, like, you know, they're both kind of like go either way types of calls. Right. So, And if that, you know, if A.J. Brown catches touchdown passes, it's a completely different you know topic I think so I think that's the formula against teams like this is like hit your explosive plays you know find success running the ball and you know pick up the blitzes and I think you know if they're able to do that then we're going to be you know talking about Brian Johnson you know figuring out the passing offense and Jalen Hurts knocking off the cobwebs but if they struggle and I think that they could struggle you know I think that you know that they could have trouble with this defense I I don't you know take what Todd Bowles did against this Eagles offense a couple of years ago lightly you know if they do struggle, I think we're going to really be starting to look at Brian Johnson and say, like, what's different about this year's offense? Like the simplicity that it had, you know, that like was almost like ruthless, ruthless simplicity last year. Now it's just yeah. simplicity. Teams are catching right. up to it. You know, uh, I could see that being a big topic of conversation if they come out of this one, like, you know, with a 24 17 or 24 21 loss where the offense, you know, didn't get a first down in the entire second quarter or something like that.
0: Yeah, I, I, he he's the guy I had written down too, like I said for the reasons you laid out there. I mean, this passing offense I can e- easily tell myself like five, you know, two games in 5 days, two offensive coordinators who threw unscouted looks, uh who threw a bunch of wrinkles at you. First-time offensive coordinator and play caller, like I, I totally understand uh, why the uh, passing offense struggled. Now you've had a lot of time, like to look at it, take a catch your breath, be like, what are, are our answers going to be if Todd Bowles throws some stuff at us that we're not expecting? Um, and so I think Brian Johnson gets like high marks for adjusting in that game, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had over 400 yards of offense, so I don't want to make it sound like man they <laughs> couldn't get anything going. Like they got something going. It was simple. It was just run the same run play over and over again. And at the same time, uh, we we both know that if you want to win big, the passing game's got to be a lot better than it's been uh, through the first two weeks of the season. Jalen Hurts is 32nd in success rate through... Mm two weeks. I mean, he's behind guys like Zach Wilson and uh, Josh Dobbs. And now that doesn't take into account the explosive plays, which they, they have had some, not, not a lot, but some explosive plays, but death uh, just on a down to down when Jalen hurts drops back to pass are good things happening. Well, no, like compared to every right. other offense in the league, the answer uh, is no there. So yeah, I've got Brian Johnson um, as well in that category. I am curious to see the run game, whether it works or not. I mean, the bucks have like aggressive athletics, You know, Levante David's very smart. Devin White is very athletic. So like those two guys, uh, they've seen a lot. They've got Vita Vea in the middle. It's definitely not going to be as easy as it was last week to run the football. All right, let's take a quick break. Then we'll get to more of these questions as we preview Eagles Bucks. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. What do I like this weekend? I like the Titans plus three and a half at the Browns. Titans have been good to me as underdogs so far this weekend. Season, but you can do whatever you want. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over/unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com/RingerPhilly and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. Atlassian.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
0: All right. We are back on the Ringer's Philly special. Shield Kapadia joined by EJ Smith of the Enquirer. What is your next What is your next number, EJ? We've, we've done five and three whenever I do this game I'm terrible because I forget what we've already done so let me cross out some of these oh you've got it yeah this is why we have you on (laughs) you I don't have to do work and you come on and do work all right what do you got what's the what's the next number
2: I'm gonna stick with like old Eagles quarterbacks now that you uh, name drop McNabb so let's go seven for Michael Vick
0: Seven for my, or Ron Jaworski for the, the old timers. Yeah, say yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, that's a little for my time. All right, all right. Seven, I don't know if Click, I know Cliff's doing a million things this morning. We just recorded an extra point taken, but seven EJ, we don't have to do any work with this one because seven <laughs> is Canon watch.
3: Welcome back. All right. Who took the bus? See who you are. Just understand I'm looking for f- killers.
2: This is Gannon Don't get that twisted. Fellas,
3: fellas, fellas, our old friend, Jonathan Gannon, <laughs> man, he, j- he just had a stinker the other day, just blew it. Giants, major comeback. And, uh, you know, Gannon's old defense gave up the most points in the second half, I believe. Can you give me the correct number, Shield? How many points he gave up?
0: Uh, let's see, they gave up four, uh, 31, four touchdowns, and one field goal in five drives after halftime to the New York Giants.
3: <laughs> Come on, guys, these, these guys gave up 31 points <laughs> in the second half. And, and, and let, let, let's just go to the, the post game, uh, uh, talk here from Jonathan uh, just Uh-oh. we got to coach better, you know, we got outplayed in the second half, tail of two halves. We got to do a better job, help our guys out because. The effort's there, the intensity is there. We gotta coach a little bit better. So this guy, this guy is now blaming his coaches, saying we gotta coach better. You know, obviously he's
0: no. So- come on, he's blaming himself nah. if he's saying we gotta coach better. This, this is not how this, works. this is. This is not how this works. Guys
3: avoiding all types of blame already. Gave up the biggest lead in Giants history. <laughs> And now he's blaming his coaches. We all know Nick Rouse was the was the, uh, was the uh, linebacker. Correct me if I'm wrong. The linebackers coach here yeah, last year, yeah, and then now yeah. he's a DC. Dude's like younger than me, uh, which is which is yeah. crazy to think that he's already he's already a DC in the NFL. But yeah, this guy's blaming his coaches already. He's probably going to throw Nick on the bus after this year. Probably won't see him over there. But Shield doesn't even think anybody's going to be over there next year anyway. But this is this is this is just in line. This guy's really not that good, like we thought. This is a tank job ready, you know, a tank job in motion. (laughs) The old ball coach is already just throwing his guys on the bus. And then we're going to see even more of that when they play the Cowboys. It's like, what are you expecting with the Cowboys when they played them this week? I didn't see any of the updated lines right now, but I saw a pretty hefty line of like 11 and a half when I first saw it. So I'm, I'm expecting something similar. It's 12
0: and a half now. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's 12 and a half now. Uh, It's 12 and a half now. Uh, Benny Soles and I just recorded extra point taken. Everyone go check that out on the Ringer NFL feed. Uh, Solak was predicting that the Cowboys are... Now, this was like an off-the-wall prediction. He thinks the Cowboys win can win by 40, which would give them a plus 100 point differential through the first three weeks of the season. So, if you're an Eagles fan listening to this, you're like, oh, I don't know if I really want to go that far. We each have to make three picks on the pod. I love the Cowboys minus 12 and a half uh, in this game. I think that's going to be a blowout. But listen, Johnny Gantz, 2-0 uh, against the spread, Cliff. Listen, if there's nah, Johnny Gantz supporters out anything.
3: here, they're 2-0 so, right.
0: against the spread.
3: So yeah, when Arizona re-evaluates everything at the end of the season, they're going to say, oh, the first two games you were 2-0 against the spread, though, Johnny. You think they care about that? That's not the bottom line over there. Listen, we get it. Arizona's tanking. Fine. They're losing games on purpose. They're trying to get the top pick again. We, we, I, we, see, right, we see right through it. But Still, so right. it's just funny just to see Jonathan Gannon give up the biggest lead in Giants history. In well, this, all in the second half, by the way. All
0: in the second half. like All, this all in the same stadium, Cliff. <laughs> right, The right. same stadium. See? It, let me give you this nugget. Yeah. All right, you're going to like this one. Let me hear it. The last nine second half drives for Johnny Gannon in that stadium. Okay, so we're going Super Bowl and we're going week two against the Giants. <laughs> second half. He's call, he's been, you know, his defense has been on the field for nine drives. They've allowed seven touchdowns and two field goals with no punts and no turnovers. I, I mean oh. listen, you,
3: you just laid out the number. That's an NFL head coach, by the way, guys. These aren't these aren't just some random numbers that Shield just found and dug up and just to bury this guy. As you should be buried anyway. But these are this is an NFL head coach here. <laughs> Come on. He's looking for killer, right? He's, right. He's, he's, he, uh, we got to coach better. We got to do this. Pew, gotta, pew, yeah,
2: I, pew, I, pew, pew, right. pew, shots, All right.
3: Bottom here, EJ, I want you to get in here. My, my temple brother, EJ. Do you give this guy any benefit yeah. of the doubt for what happened uh on Sunday afternoon?
2: Uh, not really. I mean, listen. I don't think the team's very good, but I I think the whole thing is uh, ripe for dumpster fire nature. <laughs> so, yeah, um, fire I have a nature. question for you two. Whatever. Dumpster fire nature. That's what I'm going to go for. Uh, <laughs> it's quite determined. Like, what do you think? Not like casual Eagles fans. I think casual Eagles fans will clearly root for root against the Cowboys. But what do you think? Like the real like hardcore Eagles mm. fans are rooting for in a Gannon versus Cowboys matchup? Like. That's like good, a great question. Everyone sucks here for Eagles fans. Like, yeah, you know, like who, who do you think they want to see? Cliff,
0: win you're a good gauge for this. Cliff, who are you, what's, who are you rooting <laughs> for yeah, in what's, that what's game? The,
2: what's the, what are the rumblings in the group chat saying? Yeah. <laughs> As
0: you said, what are the, what are the streets saying? I
3: got my ears <laughs> to the streets, the
2: <laughs>
0: Philly streets. I'll be back soon, by, <laughs> by
3: the way. Show you know. I know. I can't uh, wait. But, uh, unfortunately it's a lot of chatter that, uh, we want Arizona to take this one and and beat the OK. C- Listen, <laughs> as much as I don't like, I John think that's Gannon, probably true. Really, that's, as much as I don't that's like that's John again, yeah. it's ingraining us to just to dislike the Dallas Cowboys. You're not going to find me rooting for them in damn near any scenario, unless it gets like it's one of those last game of the season, you know, scenarios where they got to beat like the Commanders or something like that. And we need the we need them yeah. to get into the playoffs. That's the only way you'll ever see me do that. But yeah, I mean, let, let's let's go Arizona. Let, let's get this dove. Let's get the Cowboys to two and one. Let's make sure we, the Eagles stay atop of the division. Hopefully, they get a dub Monday night. They'll be three and zero. Hopefully, the Cowboys two and one. I doubt that that's what's going to happen, but we'll see, man. And 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 I'm not expecting much from Gannon's crew either. If You <laughs> lighten up a big lead like that to the Giants, who I just watched last night look absolutely <laughs> pathetic. I could only imagine yeah. what Micah Parsons is going to do to whoever, Josh Josh Dobbs, Clayton Ooh. Toon, whoever whoever they want to put it uh, running James Connor. <laughs> Hollywood Brown. It's going to be a scary sight. It's going to be a real, real scary. <laughs> there you spot. go. Oh,
0: there you go. <laughs> go. Latest edition, latest installment of Gana Watch. I think Cliff's right there. I think most <laughs> Eagles fans will be rooting uh, for the car. Because if you're the Eagles, like it's either like it could be the first seed or the five seed. It's like last yeah. year. I mean, th- those are two Eagles, Cowboys, two of the best teams uh, in the NFC. So, of course, we'll recap that game next week on Gannon Watch. Thank you. Thank you, Cliff, uh, as always. All right. Thank you, fellas. EJ, what's the, what's the next number? That's always entertaining. No, EJ, that was, that was I think great. EJ's happy he joined just so he could witness that <laughs> That was hand. really
2: fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to go Kevin Cobb number four.
0: Kevin Cobb, number four. All right. Another newsy one. A.J. Brown's frustrations, E.J. Uh, I'm going to put this into three categories. One, much ado about nothing. You know, you're in the, come on, I'm a football guy. These conversations happen all the time on the sideline. Why are people blowing this up? That's one. Two keeping my eye on it. Okay. I'm not going to tell you it's a big issue right now, but EJ as a reporter is saying, I got to keep my eyes on the big storylines that could play out this season. And that's one I'm at least going to monitor. I'm not going to sweep it under the rug or three, you're going all the way. This This is bad than everybody, worse than everyone thinks. They did some damage control yesterday, but this is now Two times EJ in the last five games that cameras have caught AJ Brown on the sideline having some sort of animated discussion, whether you know you can fill us in on what he said, some type of animated discussion in a game, by the way, that the Eagles were winning handily at the time. These aren't games where they're losing, and he's saying, Give me the ball, I can help us. These are games that they're winning handily. So those are the three categories. Much ado about nothing. I'm keeping an eye on it, or this could get bad. Also, give us Give us the rundown. Yesterday, AJ Brown uh in the locker room addressing this. What did he say? What did you make of the whole scene? And where are you with AJ Brown and his frustrations?
2: Yeah, so AJ like it did the rare, like, before you even ask me a question, I'm gonna give an, an opening statement. And you could tell that he was a little, you know, anxious to get this out. And yeah. you know, his recap of this is that he was frustrated on the sideline. You know, he had a he called it a conversation. I would call it a demonstrative conversation. Um and he did he conceded like he was worked up, you know, he was, he was frustrated. Um, and, you know, it, he said basically that it wasn't that big of a deal, but the cameras caught it. Um, and, you know, after the game, AJ was not in a locker room by the time that we got in there. Uh, so, and he said that he left because he needed to get his emotions, you know, in check. So mm. he was worked up, you know, there's no way that he, he literally said it. So there's no way around that. Um, so, you know, and then, Like, one thing I found, and this is, so I'm going to answer your question. Uh, I'm going to make the most fence-sitter of all fence-sitter here. I'm not going to say two. I'm going to say 1.8. Like, I'm, I'm I'm not quite to, like, oh, this could be a thing. But, like, I don't think it's nothing. You know, like, I think, you know, Nick's response after the game, like, saying, oh, well, I didn't see it. And then it's, like, Tim McManus was immediately, like, the broadcast caught you. <laughs> he was like, oh, okay, well, you know, it was, it was like, you know. Uh,
0: you can't slip got, that stuff by T-back. Come on, the yeah, guy's been God around. Immediately you know? Yeah, immediately caught
2: him a lie. Um, <laughs> so I think the fact that they tried to lie about it kind of speaks to they didn't want to make it a bigger thing than it was, um, you know, like, or just make it, you know, feed it, give it oxygen. And I think the fact that AJ was still worked up after the game says something too. So um, to me, like the, the Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown dynamic, I'm not worried about that at all. I think, you know, like I've got friends who we can argue like that and we can move right past it. And I'm not a confrontational person. Like you mentioned like the football guy thing earlier. I'm like, I would never yell at my teammates on the <laughs> sideline. I'd be too scared about I'd be like replaying that interaction for like the next 10 years of my life. So And EJ's um, a big guy
0: for people who aren't watching the video. Yeah. Like he's not scared because the guy's gonna do something. I mean no, EJ's I'm gonna just, have the edge in most of those uh yeah. most of those battles. Yeah. Um,
2: so I'm not worried at all about the Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown dynamic. I think that they are like brothers, they can bicker, you know, they can go back and forth and it's fine. What I think is like the thing that I want to keep an eye on. And AJ said this, like Nick Sirianni interjecting, that's where it's like, are they at a place where like he can, you know, get after AJ in a conversation like that? You know, it's like matching that energy that Jalen and yeah. AJ can can get to and come right back down. You know, AJ said like, you know, Nick interjecting made it look worse than it, you know, or kind of like heightened it, you know, it made it worse than it really ha- was originally. So I think like when it bleeds into coaches and other players, like that's where it starts to kind of become a bigger thing. But, um, I wouldn't call it like a concern. You know, I, I think like you hear stories of receivers who I don't, I won't name here, but you hear stories of receivers who like they score two touchdowns and a blowout loss and they're happy in the locker room. Like AJ is the exact opposite. Like if he doesn't get, you know, his, even if they win, he feels like he should have been a bigger part of the game plan and like. I think there's a fine line with that because it's like, you know, if you you, you want receivers who are competitors and who want to, you know, impact the game like that drive is like what what's behind this. But, you know, if you're winning the games, you know, especially against the Giants last year in the playoffs, it's like they won that game handily. It's like they just they didn't get them the ball because they didn't need to. Um, So it's definitely something, you know, I don't think it's just not a big deal. I I get that Jalen and AJ both say like it's not a big deal. And again, I think like they probably have had worse blow-ups like that and moved on immediately. Um, You know, I think the reason why I'm not quite to two is because this is Jalen Hurts' team, and Jalen Hurts is the perfect quarterback to deal with these types of things, even if he didn't have a good relationship with AJ. Like, Jalen is... He doesn't feed any type of fire like that, you know? Like, if you had a quarterback who was a little more eccentric or a little bit more, you know, insecure in his position or just a different personality type... I think that, you know, this could be a real thing. You know, most quarterbacks don't want their star wide receiver, you know, uh, yelling at them on the sideline. I don't think Jalen really cares about that type of stuff, especially with AJ. Um, so, you know, I think that because the team is 2 0, because of Jalen being the personality type that he is, it's not something that I would get. You know, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't go to three. I, I, not quite to two. I think that the Nick Sirianni interjecting of it all, like, again, when it bleeds into the whole team, I do think that that means something. You know, I think that that, is something that they're they're probably going to try and not have happen again. You know, I think, yeah. you know, at the very least, that's uh that's something worth watching.
0: The Hertz point is such a good one. I mean, he really makes the coach's job easier because yeah. he can like he's he's so mature and can handle all these situations and is so respected by his teammates, not because of what he says, but kind of how he uh carries himself and he's not like a, a me first guy and he's all about winning and all those, like all the intangibles that we can make fun of, but are actually like authentic about him, that makes a uh, huge difference. And it's like the coach, you know, I'm, he could probably tell Sirianni, like, you don't need to step, like, I've got it. Right. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You don't even need to uh, step in there. So uh, yeah, if I were, you know, young Shield Capadia on the beat, I, w- I would definitely be like, all right, I, you got to keep an eye on this, like in yeah. games on the sideline what's going on if AJ Brown's not involved um, only because, like I said, like these are in games that they're winning handily and I know he said it wasn't about targets and he wouldn't explain exactly uh what it was about but um you know and I also think it's like the coaching staff needs to do a better job here I mean when you get a top five wide receiver a lot of times there's something that comes with that I've said before wide receiver sucks to play I mean you're out there for 60 (laughs) snaps maybe you know 35 of those are passing plays uh and maybe if you're a very good wide receiver seven of those, the ball's coming your way. Maybe two of those or three of those. It's not catchable. You're talking about four opportunities you're putting (laughs) in practice every day day during the week and you're out there running and being asked to block. And like, there might be four, like all you want to do is catch the ball and make plays. If you're agent Brown and it's four chances to do it, or there's a game, you're not doing it. So I get that. And when you're a great player, like I understand uh, being fr- and everyone's wired differently. Like, I don't think they have to worry about this with Devontae Smith. You know, like, I oh, think he could sure. go two games with like two targets and he wouldn't say a thing. And they'd be like, man, this is the most coachable, great wide receiver <laughs> we've had. Uh, we know they don't have to worry about it with Dallas Goddard because if you put it on the film of that game, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it happens all the time. And he's blocking his butt off like pancaking yeah. dudes in the fourth quarter when he's not involved in the passing game. So here are your three main targets. Two of them seem to be very low maintenance and are going to play hard and you're not going to hear a word out of them. And one of them is going to be a little, like that's coaching. One of them is going to be a little bit more like, and I think you can see it on film with AJ Brown when he's not involved early. Like he's a little disengaged at times when he yeah. knows the ball's not coming his way. So I, if I'm Nick Sirianni, I'm just like when Brian Johnson every week first, first series, like let's dial up. It could be a slant. It could be a screen. It could be downfield. Maybe the ball doesn't go to him, but I want AJ Brown to know like early on you're involved in the game plan. We we're going to really try hard to get the ball to you. I just think that's like a very easy solution to this thing. Like those don't have to yeah. be a big place, but I think if he's involved, um, that's just going to be better for the team. And that's an easy way to fix this.
2: That's a, that's a good observation from you. Cause he said that before he said, like, I like to get the ball. Quick, I like to get the ball early to get, you know, into a rhythm in the game. And I think like watching the game back, you can see why he gets frustrated. You know, it's like, uh, it's like nothing that's like outwardly like, oh, well, Jalen just didn't throw him the ball and he was wide open. But there were times where like on the Devante Smith, the the deep, uh, the deep post that he got hit on, AJ was also open. Like, right. and again, probably like, more,
0: maybe more open, you could say.
2: I wasn't sure if that's just like, oh, well, when I pause it, the safety's going there because Jalen's reading right. there. And like, you don't
0: know what the, the read is. Yeah, probably, right. you know, but he he was picks open a side there. or whatever. And
2: then there were a lot of clearing routes for AJ on those dagger concepts. And I feel like that, that must suck. Like you mentioned, like, yeah. you know, you're running 40 yards hard or, you know, <laughs> maybe not as hard as you can, but running those 40 yards just to clear space for Devontae. So it was definitely like kind of just the way the game went. It was like heavily slanted toward Devonte making those big plays and AJ had opportunities. And, but like, I'm with you because like, it's like, well, AJ has the blow up on the sideline and he can say that it wasn't about targets and he didn't, the fact that they threw the ball to him two times in a row in the end zone has nothing to do with the, the blow up. But I kind of have a hard time believing that. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree Maybe with that. he didn't say, hey, Nick, throw me the ball in the end zone. But I think they said, "Like, all right, let's get him a touch. They to make him happy here. And it's yeah. like, you do that and you have one completion that's negated by a holding penalty that probably wouldn't have actually impacted the completion. And then the next one was arguably a pass interference call that falls right. you know, six inches from his hands. It shows you how easy it is to force feed a guy like that. He's good enough that you can force it to him. You know, like there's so much talk about, oh, they're just taking it away. The defense is just taking it away. It's like they've got talented enough players where it doesn't matter if that's what they see. Yeah,
0: I don't think that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you.
2: There are so many like offenses. The Eagles have the luxury of having multiple guys like this, but there are so many offenses. Like look what the Vikings do with Justin Jefferson. They don't say, oh, well, you know, of course teams are going to key in on him, but it's like there are things you can do to get those guys the ball. So You know, I think that they will do that moving forward. I think that that's going to be, I honestly think that's going to be the result of all this. Um, You know, I I think we'll get to it later. But, um, you know, AJ, like, I think that AJ is going to be a bigger part of the offense after this. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. You know, I I understand you don't want to reward, you know, bad behavior if that's what you want to call it. But I think like he, again, when you watch it back, you understand why he feels the way he feels. And the last thing I wanted to say is like Devante has played with, Great receivers, his literally into his entire life. Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was, he went to high school with a, you know, four or five star wide receiver. And then obviously in Alabama, there were always a bunch of guys that, you know, were going to command high targets. So he's lived this, you know, it's like being with AJ, yeah. it's like normal for him. You know, he gets it. I think, you know, obviously AJ played with some good receivers at Ole Miss too, DK Metcalf and everybody else, but like, you know, it's just they're a little different. I think Devontae's just always been wired that way. Um, so it is easier for him, I think.
0: Yeah, no that uh, that definitely makes. Yeah, it's a lock that AJ Brown's getting two targets on the first possession uh, of Monday
2: Night Football. <laughs> the Paner in my King opinion, Mixeriani, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. All right, what do we got? What's the next number?
2: Let's go, rookie Jalen Hurts. We'll go number two.
0: Number two, there we go. Uh, here, good. Listen, great lead-in. We're on the same page. If the Eagles win Monday night, who is the player or coach we're talking about Tuesday morning again? Uh, this cannot be Jalen
2: Hurts. It's AJ Brown. So this was perfect, man. I they, the, the, the the listeners are going to be like they they planned that. That's, no, no way that no, you haven't seen well.
0: my wonderful yeah. Google Doc here. I keep it secret. I don't share it with anybody.
2: Yeah, to me, it's A.J. Brown. I think that the formula for the Eagles to win is going to be to try and sustain the running game, try and sustain drives. But really, I think it's going to be explosive plays. I think that that's like I think that it's going to be like an up and down day for the offense against the Bucs. I think it's going to be I think they're a good defense. So I think, you know, it's going to be forcing the issue to A.J. Brown. Like I just mentioned, Nick Sirianni like, aside from Bryce Harper, he's, like, the pander king of Philadelphia, like, you know, and I think that this is, like, a pander moment for, like, you know, they did it with Devontae, they did it, they did it with Dallas, like, you know, when guys are, you know, a little bit in a slump or, you know, making, you know, a little frustrated, I think they're going to be like, all right, let's get these guys the ball, let's keep them engaged, so I, I agree, I think you're going to see them get targeted early, I think they're going to really push the, uh, push the envelope there, I mean, like, Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis, I know Carlton Davis is banged up, but, it, you know, he's limited yesterday, so, like, um, if those guys play, the Bucks have a really good secondary theory. They've got, you know, competent cornerbacks, but again, it's like even good cornerbacks are going to struggle against A.J. Brown. You know, yeah. he's just that type of player. So yeah, I think I could see A.J. having a big day. Again, it's like, man, if you just force him the ball, you see that good things can happen, you know, even against the Vikings, you saw it. So um, yeah, he'd be my pick.
0: Yeah, he really is to your previous point you made, he's like a problem solver. That's what it felt like last year. Like, shoot, what do we do in the red zone? Oh, uh, why don't we, you know, throw AJ Brown a slant? What do we do on third down? Why don't you throw, you know, AJ Brown a screen? What? Shoot, we can't get plays downfield. They're double teaming him. That's okay. Throw it up anyway. He's making the plays. He just like that. He was the a huge difference in their 2021 offense to kind of make it all come full circle, the the team that struggled against the Bucs to last year when the offense took off and had one of the best offenses in franchise history. He was one of the biggest differences and I think he could be a big difference in this game. I chose Jalen Carter uh, I think Bucks have some issues on their interior offensive line. Baker Mayfield has somehow only been sacked once <laughs> in two games. I can't believe it. I'm not, yeah. but this is like, this is the clear, small sample size theater to me is like Baker Mayfield's performance through the first two games. I mean, the guy's yeah. been on four teams in like, what, two years, nobody wanted him. And now you're telling me all of a sudden he's going to be great. I don't think so. Uh, I think the Eagles defensive front is going to be able to get to him. I basically just picked a defensive tackle. I could have gone Jordan Davis, Milton Williams or Fletcher Cox. Uh, this is a national game and there's already been some of that. Like, how did the league let the Eagles get Jalen Carter, you know, conversation? This is Monday night football. I think you're going to hear a lot of that on Monday night. And Tuesday morning, and EJ, I wanted to uh, ask you. You wrote a great piece on Jalen Carter, where you went down to uh, Florida, talked to his, you know, high school coaches, his family. Everyone should definitely go and check that out. Uh, but just kind of give me some insight from that story to how his season has gone so far, to what you left on the cutting room floor. Just, um, you know, plug the story a little bit, basically, and, and give some give a take on Jalen Carter.
2: Yeah, and to your point, this is like as close to a homecoming and as he's going to get me NFL. So mm. I actually asked him yesterday, I was like, you know, what are the ticket prices like? And he was like, my mom is handling it and not telling me what's going to cost because <laughs> I don't want to know. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you saying that about my story. Uh, yeah. I got to know a lot of people in like his inner circle, I would say, you know, the people who are around him and, you know, I went down there with the question I think everybody had about him, which is like, you know, the cautious optimism about, he's obviously a really talented player, but, you know, why are the Eagles confident and why are the people around him confident that the things, you know, the, whether it was the crash or the stuff that happened at Georgia, you know, before that, you know, the character concerns and stuff like that, whether that stuff was going to kind of derail, you know, what is obviously a really talented player with a lot of potential. So, um, you know, I, it's not really for me to say, you know, whether or not. Um, he will actually end up having a long and prosperous career without any, right. you know, any trouble. But I can tell you that so far, like, you know, he has been what you would expect. I mean, he's been, you know, on his P's and Q's connecting with his teammates. He was, you know, obviously a standout th- throughout training camp. He came in in shape. Um, and you know, I do want to say like the one thing that kind of stood out when I was down there is like, you know, he like, <laughs> like you. I came down there asking like, is this guy going to, you know, be able to kind of straighten his path? And everybody was like, his path was pretty straight up until he got to Georgia, you know, like, and Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to make excuses for him because what, you know, some of the things he did, there are no excuses you can make for it. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, like, you know, to hear like his high school coaches be like, well, we actually have problems with other guys and not him, you know, practice habits never was in the principal's office. So, um, you know, again, it's not for me to say like what, and I think like the, how did they let, Jalen Carter get to the Eagles, it's because teams had concerns about him.
0: You yeah, he's off obvious. their boards.
2: Right, and I even yeah. the Eagles struggled with that, you know, obviously. Right. So, um, to me, like, I think that's why he's here, but, you know, I have the Eagles infrastructure, and that was a big part of the story, too, is, like, the Eagles infrastructure, you know, the guys that he knows from college, Jordan Davis and Nolan Smith being guys who he's really close to. Obviously, he's close to all that group, but Jordan Davis especially, um, you know, somebody who was kind of a mentor figure for him early on. Uh, and then, obviously, guys like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, you know, like the infrastructure that the Eagles have to kind of teach him how to be, you know, an Eagles player, you know, someone who doesn't have, you know, like, the Eagles haven't had many of these types of guys. And I think, you know, uh, what's the expression? Like, you need a few rats on every ship. Like, you know, you need a couple of, like, guys with an edge. And I think, you know, as long as you don't overload it, like, the team, uh, you know, is, I think the team does have a confidence that those guys will be able to keep him, uh, you know, in on the straight and narrow. So. Again, not really up for me to speculate on what's going to happen with him long term. But, I mean, you see the potential. You see the reason why the Eagles made the gamble early on. And, again, I think that they were specifically qualified to kind of handle something like that. So, um, so yeah, I definitely read the story. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, I actually have a, a funny youth football story that didn't make, make it in. Um, so, apparently, Jalen Carter, you know, obviously, he was always like a foot taller than everybody and significantly bigger and stronger Um, so like his youth coaches said like they had him kick, you know, for like the every every game he was like the kicker too because he's just so big and powerful. Um and like every time, like, you know, obviously his team was really good because he was, you know, clearing out massive passing or running lanes for his teammates. Um, so they always made it to the championship game and they said every year before the championship game, Jalen would go to them and be like, I have to go to the bathroom, you know, I gotta go number two. And they would be like, we don't care. Go out there and kick. Like, you, you always do this. So um, it was like, yeah, I'm glad that you gave me this opportunity because I literally had it. I wrote a section. I, I just ended up taking it out. I was like, doesn't fit with the tenor of the story. Um, so, yeah, this is a good opportunity for me to get that. But, yeah, um, it is like a homecoming for him. I could see him having a big game. I mean, every game, it's like he's already getting double teamed, you know, and even against double yeah. teams, sometimes he's winning. Like, he is ridiculous. I mean like it's hard not to be hyperbolic because it's like going into the year, you see how few defensive tackles make an impact in their rookie year. But I mean, he's already up there with like those guys, you know, like you don't want to say Aaron Donald because nobody's Aaron Donald, but I mean like what he's doing is similar to what Aaron Donald did his rookie season. So he's been dominant. And honestly, Jordan Davis too has been like, really, he surprised me. I didn't, I did not expect him to impact the passer and he's been doing it. So, um, so yeah, I think that's a good pick.
0: Yeah. Jordan Davis has been one of the bigger surprises to me through two weeks, the way he's developed and to your point about Jalen Carter. Yeah. Like everybody can get excited this year. We, no one knows, like it's not, you know, like no one knows what the long-term future hold the Eagles don't know. Like just, you know, what happens when he has a full off season with like, Lots of things can happen. We go with what we've seen so far. So far, the early returns are very encouraging. Even last week, it wasn't like as dominant as week one. But man, I could show you like one or two reps where you're just like, most defensive tackles are not capable of this singular play right here where there's he just one, tosses a guard. There's yeah. one
2: where you look like he just teleported from one side of the guard to the other. Yeah. And he's like, oh my it's goodness. crazy. He he's in touched. the backfield. Yeah. Yeah, yep.
0: it's it's uh unreal. So we'll see what he does there. All right, let's zoom through uh the rest of these. Make sure you don't miss practice. We gotta get you to practice on time. What is your next number?
2: This is me telling you, like, we're good. Uh is okay. Like, I'm not worried about timing. Uh is I want to go eight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> eight. All right, here we go. All right. Yeah. We're getting to the nonsense. This has nothing to do with the Eagles. EJ went right to it. All right, so was hanging out with friends uh recently. I have no idea how this conversation came up it has to do with you know boxers boxers we'll just call them boxers it has to do with men's uh, men's undergarments you could say <laughs> a friend revealed that every night before he goes to bed he puts on a fresh pair of boxers and he was appalled that nobody else in the group did this so we said Will you shower? No, he said no. Regardless of whether I shower at night or not, it's disgusting to go through a whole day wearing boxers and then at night to wear those same boxers to bed. Like, get yourself a fresh pair and put on a fresh pair and go to bed. Uh, since he's asked, I think everybody he knows, and he has not found anyone else who's done this. Uh, I will say (laughs) after his recommendation, another friend and I have tried this and I will admit it is kind of refreshing. Do you change out? (laughs) You go to bed, you kind of feel like a fresh new man, but uh, what is, and I have a follow-up for this, but what is your initial take on that move? Have you heard of anyone doing this before? Are you intrigued? What are your
2: thoughts? I am pro boxer swap now. Oh, like I am uh, like I'm also like kind of a compulsive showerer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like I, all right. I like it's not. You're like Zach Berman. Yeah, I, it's not uncommon. Three I, would days. Like two, I would say two or three showers <laughs> a day. Um, wow. So, like, a lot of times, like when I if I come in from being anywhere for more than like an hour or two, shower change into like what I would call like house clothes. I've got like okay. yeah. clothes so like yeah, that's fresh boxers and like it's like shorts sh- uh, is what I call them like sweatpants <laughs> shorts. Um <Yeah. laughs> so like to me like that is bra- I I I am pro boxer swap. I actually I okay. it's like weird if like you come in and you don't like swap them out. You know, it's like (laughs)
0: interesting. So you are okay. So my, my friend has found somebody in his corner there. That's, that's very, listen, I, like I said, I tried it out and I kind of liked it now. Yeah. But now
2: now the next step for you is you got to like have home boxers and away Mm. boxers. Like you got to have like the good stuff that you wear out in the public. And then you got to have like the, the, the stuff that is out of the rotation, you know, that's six can wear pack of Hanes
0: house. from target or something yep, like exactly. that. Right. That's yeah, a house. Right. Like, yep. okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm interested. Cause I saw your face when I started, I thought you were going to go the other, like, what is this guy
2: doing? Oh. But no, okay. I like, I, the more I thought about it, cause well, I think my thing is like not, not showering and then using like another pair of boxers. That's yeah. wasteful. Now my wife is going to start going, like, Hey, listen, <laughs> Like you went <laughs> like four pairs of boxers the whole day, um, but if, if you're talking, I mean, if you're not a shower weirdo like me, then I understand that. I understand. Okay,
0: all right. So here, right. here was the follow up. Here, so we said, well, do you shut? You must shower at night, then. And he said, no, he's just doing the swap. We said, well, when do you shower? He said he showers in the morning. We said, well, then what do you do there? Now this is this is uh, we were <laughs> appalled by this part. He put so he changes into the new pair before bed. Wakes up when he goes to shower. Those those boxers go on the towel rack. They go back oh, on. No post shower. No. <laughs> oh, such a violation. No, they go back on post shower to which we all said that is outrageous you cannot (laughs) shower and put on the same pair he said all right but what you guys are doing is more disgusting you're going to bed with the boxes you wore all day long so settle this which is more of a violation what he's doing with the towel rack (laughs) putting them back on or what we're doing just going to bed with the boxers we wore all day
2: both to me are violations but the second one is so much worse you can't go out. You can't go into the shower, clean yourself, and then put back on the same boxes. That is a total violation. Um, I it's. I've been asking myself this question about night shower versus morning shower since I was like four years old. <laughs> like, I like. i never like. I'm a night shower because to me, if I go to sleep without showering, now my sheets are dirty, and then if I don't take a morning shower every single day, then I'm dirty. So again. You like this, this topic really strikes to my heart because this yeah. is a, uh, a thing of mine. But, like, yeah, the boxers out of the you can't, everything you, can't you can do take that. off when you go before you go into the shower needs to go in the hamper. You can't, hamper. done. Yeah, you can't save Agreed.
0: it. Yeah, so, I agree. All right. so the move, so the move <clears throat> might be if you're, I I think you're onto something with the home in a ways. Like, yeah, I think you just need to up the inventory. And you're right, maybe you go through more, but this isn't like a big sweatshirt I mean they shouldn't sure. take up that much of the laundry you know what I mean so yeah. uh, I, I think that might be the move that might be what I try here because I do like the freshness uh, but I'm not showering every <laughs> night I do like the freshness of a new pair before bed but there's no like you said once those come off out of here see ya you can't be putting those back on uh, again So, all right. I think we've come yeah. to a conclusion Home and Away is, a, uh, is the move Home sure. and Away there you go yeah. everyone chime in that was good Yeah. You know, because I knew I, I've been meaning to bring this up I said, "Well, what guest?" And I'm like, "I think EJ will be a good guest to have this discussion." And I thought you came through with uh, flying colors. Uh, Cliff had it. Cliff hadn't said anything in the chat the whole episode. And when I just told that anecdote about putting him on the rack, um, Cliff. All right, now Cliff just put himself on camera. I, I, Cliff, I didn't know if you wanted to chime in on this topic or not, but of course, we welcome your opinion. Go ahead. What, what do you got on this before we move on?
3: I mean, that is just absolutely insane. How the hell, you, bro? That's like putting on like a dirty undershirt, like, or like literally hopping out the shower, right? And just having like going in your hamper with all your dirty clothes and then putting it right. right? No, but is that not the same? Not like a t shirt. I'm with you. Because, like, I, yeah. you can wear a t shirt. You can wear like a t shirt again. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't need to wash the t-shirt every time, depending on how, like, Yeah, we know what you're saying. We got you. I got you. Function or whatever like that. But, (laughs) yo, that is crazy. That's, you literally just went in your hamper and grabbed your undershirt or whatever you wore for the day and then put it back on after you just cleaned yourself up. Come yeah, on, really? yo. That doesn't make sense. Where? Okay. <laughs>
0: so where are you with the fresh pair though? Before, before, before sleep? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The fresh
3: pair is definitely, that's definitely a, a, a great move. You feel, uh, okay. you feel better. You're right. going in the bed. You feel better. You feel refreshed. You feel Even great. if you didn't shower, you just change it in into a fresh pair. I mean, my point, I mean, I would hope you would, shower first but i okay. mean there's nothing wrong with hopping you know putting the fresh printer on and then hopping okay. in the bed but it is kind of All like right. a waste of like a boxer a <laughs> yeah it's boxer. a waste but yeah but yeah. yeah i wouldn't mind it maybe the key might be you know just to have like <laughs> a pair of shorts you like or something like that hanging around and yep. then you could just use that you know kind of like a um uh, pajamas. pajamas? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Sorry. My God, I can't okay. it. I no, got okay. pajamas for a second. Yeah, kind of like, like <laughs> you said, like a pair of pajamas or something like that. But yo, that is crazy putting dirty underwear back <laughs> putting <a> dirty underwear back <laughs> on. Putting dirty underwear back oh, on before, after you got it, not only that, after you cleaned yourself up and then like, oh, nah, there's no way. I'm crying. That friend, yo, you All have right. to like, like now you have to evaluate that friend and be like what other crazy <laughs> outlandish things do you do that we don't know? You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Admitting
0: to that, what is he not admitting to? Yeah,
3: yeah I, have a, right. yo, I have a I have a lot of questions. That is crazy to do. Okay. <laughs> Super crazy. Listen, dude. I
0: told him I wasn't going to mention his name. Now, if he changes yeah, his yeah, mind and wants to come on there. and defend himself, yeah, I'm just yeah. going to put Cliff on it. And Cliff, you can just interview him. So there you yeah, go. I, on, yeah, I, what I was saying, Cliff just chimed in the chat and we're a family show. So he said, heck no. Uh, that was the only thing he said the whole time. Once I shared, the, shared that. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah so
3: you, that don't, don't was put your friend hard. on blast, but like. No, man, no. I definitely got more questions about your. About, how, long is this, you. how long has this
0: person been your friend for? Listen, I, I don't want to give any information. Oh, be, man. It's, been okay, yeah. it's been a while. It's
3: been a while. it's a good friend of mine. All right. All right, Cause okay. I'm wondering what else right. you know about this, about this individual <laughs> that, you know, the streets might need to be aware of, you know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> yeah. Maybe we, we might come back to this topic <laughs> in a future episode. I feel like this was pretty good. All right. Thank you, Cliff. Yeah, okay. I wasn't sure, you know, I was going to ask Cliff before, but I'm like, hey, Cliff, but then once I saw him chiming in the chat, I'm like, all right, he, he does have a take yeah. here. All right. We got to that one. EJ, I think we've got a couple left and then we'll give our predictions. I think we have one and six. Am I right yep. about that? Yeah. Okay. So we'll go
2: regular Jalen, new Jalen Hurts, number one.
0: Number one. Okay. Now that we have two games of data, Which running back will lead the Eagles in touches this season? We've had this question 400 times, so we don't need to spend too much time on it. You were team Gainwell. You were looking good after week one. I was team Swift. I'm looking good after week two. We have no idea what the Eagles are going to do going forward. The fantasy people are probably going nuts here. Uh, What do you think with what we've learned? How's this going to play out the rest of the way?
2: I still think that it's going to be close, but I think I'm team Swift now. I mean, Mm. listen, I, I, I almost, when you, cause I almost, when you sent me this question, um, I almost wanted to like, totally like stand in my own corner and be like the Eagles offensive line clears out so much space. It doesn't matter who's back there. Uh, and then I really, you know, watched it again, like, you know, and I'm like, DeAndre Swift looks really good. Like, you know, Eagles offensive line clearly made a lot of that, that happen, But, um, I think that Swift, like. Gen- like adds his own thing to that, that equation, which is like, there are a couple times, like he's got a linebacker in the hole and he can kind of manipulate him with a quick cut. You know, there were a couple times, like he shook a guy in the hole and it's like, he can, you know, he can generate a couple of things. So like, you know, yeah. my first instinct with that was like to go to next gen stats. Like he had 41 rushing yards over expectation. Like that's a pretty good number. Wow. Now listen, again, he rushed for a lot of yards in general, but he averaged 1.35 rushing yards over expectation. That's a pretty good number. You know, that'd be really high. Uh, over the course of a season. So I think he does add a different level of, you know, I think he's just dynamic in a way that helps that whole thing go. Um, Especially with Jalen Hurts kind of struggling in the run game right now. So I think that he's earned himself. I, you know, every time you ask Nick Sirianni about it, he's like hot hand, hot hand. That's all he says. And like, I think he's going to have a big game against the bucks again. Like I think, well, I think he's going to have a big role at least against the bucks. Um, I still think the game was going to get his touches. I think they like him. Um, I think they trust him. And I think that Swift, like, what might hurt his chances of like having a lot of carries is his like, I think he's going to be a big part of the passing game some weeks too. Um, you know, I think they're going to split him out wide. I think they're going to try and get him involved in the passing game, which might, you know, increase his touches, but lower his carries. So um, I definitely think that Swift, I mean, like even throughout training camp, he was kind of like, you could tell they were excited about him by the, how much they were throwing the ball to him, how big of a part of the offense he was. I think that Gainwell's still going to be your guy. Uh, for a lot of situations and I think against the Bucks it's gonna be hot down there you're gonna see both of those guys um yeah. but I think that Swift has definitely kind of overtaken Gainwell at this point I mean how could he not he had such a good game and again like uh, a lot of it's the offensive line but I do think that he's added something to that uh running game
0: yeah it's hard it's hard to predict the guy had one carry in week one so like right. they liked him but they didn't like him that much and then all of a sudden he gets in there so listen sometimes coaches and teams don't No, until a player does it like they can have all these opinions in their head and then it's an actual game and the person surprises them or disappoints them based on what their uh, expectations were. It doesn't always show up in practice. So uh, we'll see what happens there. I agree with you. I thought he was impressive. Um, The touchdown run was really impressive. He has EJ as many runs uh, of 20 plus yards in an Eagles uniform as Kenny Gainwell and Kenny Gainwell has 169 carries and DeAndre Swift has, uh, 29 carries. So, you yeah. know, like I, I just think Swift is going to be more of a home run hitter. I think I'm with you. Gainwell is like an efficient, reliable runner, but yeah. I do, I do, especially with the way the passing game's going, I want more explosives in the run game. And I think Swift gives you a chance for that. Now I will say he was up and down in pass pro, like there was yep, a couple was good reps, yeah. but there were some bad reps in pass pro. So that could be a factor specifically in this game. All right, let's go with six. Now six is, I don't even think, I, I don't know how much I need you for six, not to like be rude. I have you on, but six <laughs> is what can you tell us about the punter change? Now, if you have a take on the punters, you can give it to me. I did message our friends for, I don't even, I think, did I get, I don't, even, I don't think I prepped you for this one. Did I? I think I added no, this one yeah. late. You're looking like shocked. Like, what are you doing to no. me? I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, I did message our friends at Puntalytics. The punt runs, I mean, they are the experts on yeah. all things punting. So let me read what they said. And then if you have anything to add, you can. If not, we'll move on to our prediction. So Eagles replaced Aaron Sipos with Braden Mann. I asked him, I said, you know, what's uh, what do we make of this move? They said, Mann in 2021 and 2022, his second and third seasons performed at a very similar level to Sipos, to what Sipos did in 2022. Roughly league average performance, stronger in pin deep situations than in the open field. I mean, these guys, EJ, they get into punting. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, (laughs) They said, I would expect that the Eagles, what the Eagles are getting in man is a serviceable league average punter with the capacity for occasional pin deep excellence. Now, they did point out, on the very small sample of eight punts so far this season, Sipas has been much worse than his 2022 standard, especially in pin deep situations. So uh basically, they think that man will give them what Sipas has given them previously. And whether it's fair or not, uh, Sipas was showing some signs of slippage this year. Could have been just small sample, but they made the move. So maybe they don't think it's small sample. So again, check out Puntalytics on Twitter, the punt runs. Uh, they know all things punting. All right. Do you have anything to add to their punting take?
2: Yeah. Well, first off, they know way more about punting than me. Um, they are my resource for punting as well. There like, you go. I just, I just go go off what they say. So completely agree with everything they said. Um, what I can add, you know, because I want to bring some value here, like um, <laughs> watching the team, being like the, a beat reporter the last few years, like the thing that analytics might not capture with Sipos is that he progressively got worse every year. Like. You know, it seemed I – don't, I don't know if it was, like, a fair weather thing. I don't know if it was a fatigue factor. But, like, the, he was fine at the beginning of the year. But then, like, as it gets colder and the, the weather changes and then as the season wears on, it that was when he started to have more shanks and more, you know, just more problems. And, like, that's why – it's funny. The Eagles have done so many things well, you know, team building-wise the last few years that it's almost a little boring sometimes. And, like, yeah. the one thing I'm like, why are they, like – sticking with this punter. Like you're a team that has aspirations to make it to January and February every year. And this guy has shown you two years now that he tails off as the year progresses. So and it
0: cost him in the Super Bowl, Exactly.
2: Yeah. Right. That's like, that's what I was about to say. It's like, the, it costs them in the biggest game, like, you know, to bring him back just didn't make sense to me. I thought they would, you know, I think that they, you know, Ty Zentner, I think was, they probably hoped that he would overtake Sipos and he was worse than Sipos. And now, um, I think if they get league average punting, that's fine. You know, like, you know, it's yeah. the same thing with uh, Britton Covey. Like, I know people are sometimes like, uh, oh, we want to return with more juice. It's like, they just want somebody who's going to catch the ball. I know he put one on the ground against Minnesota, but for the most part, Covey is like the most shorthanded guy on the roster. Um, yeah. So I think if Braden Mann, I mean, he played at, you know, he played at MetLife, like, he's is a little bit more used to those elements. Like, if that's what he's able to do, if he's able to just be league average and not, you know, completely fall off a cliff when it gets cold and, you know, when you, he's been punting for four straight months, then they, they've got what they need, you know, like, uh, you know, would it be great for them to have like an all pro punter? Sure. But like yeah. the Eagles are also one of those teams that aren't going to punt as much as most teams. A, cause the offense is good and B, cause Nick Sirianni likes to go for it in a lot of situations. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I think that that's, you know, what Ponolytic said is like clearly the, the thing I would trust here over there my own come. analysis. But what I can add is that like the Sipos thing was so confounding because like, Yeah, of course he looks like decent in the summer and, you know, obviously he struggled at the start of this year. But like, you know, to bring him back, knowing his track record and like, you know, late, late in the season and in big games, it was just didn't really make a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, no, we we've gotten we've gotten so uh, like a bunch of punting questions since like the <laughs> summer, and I basically ignore everyone. So for all of those yep. <laughs> those of you who have asked the punting questions, there you go. EJ and Puntalytics uh had the had the analysis you were looking for, and we actually had something change. So we'll see how he punts this weekend. All right, let's finish with this. EJ, what do you have? The prediction uh, for this game, Eagles are four and a half point favorites in this game. That line has come down from what it was previously, how do you see it playing out? What do you have for your final score?
2: I have Eagles 27, Bucks 17. I think that the offense is going to have, like I said, kind of up and down. I think they're going to be able to put up points. I think they're going to get explosives. So that's what, three touchdowns, two field goals? Like I could see that being the case. I think the defense is going to be able to keep them in the game for those stretches where they're quiet. Um, like you mentioned, I think the Eagles pass rush is you know going to be able to um, you know have an impact on this game. That's going to be the formula for the defense all year. It's like can the can the pass rush wreck the game? Because if not, there's a lot of questions on the back end. Yeah. Um, you know, with linebackers and safeties. Um, I think you'll see James Bradbury lined up against uh you know Chris Goblin a lot in the slot. The only thing I'm a little bit concerned about that we didn't talk about yet is um you know, Darius Slay like is always he's better against like those finesse receivers, the Justin Jeffersons, you know. Um, I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head, but you know, he's good against like Devonte
0: Adams. Yeah. yeah exactly. that type like, of,
2: those, I know like, what guy yeah, you're exactly. talking about. Yeah. He like, he's good against route runners. And the thing that makes Bradbury and him so complimentary is Bradbury is that physical guy that can handle guys, you know, bruisers like Mike Evans or DK Metcalf. Those are the ones that give Slay trouble. So I think that the one thing that like, you know, the residual effect, if Bradbury is in the slot for Maddox is that he can't match up against Mike Evans as much. So that's the only thing that gave me a little concern, you know, especially watching uh, Mike Evans kind of go off last week. Like, you know, that's the one, that's the one area that I'm like, you know, I think the Eagles could, could be in a little bit of trouble here, but you know, I think Sean DeSai's shown enough. I think he's going to probably have a creative game plan to deal with that. So um, I think the Eagles defense will be okay. I think the Eagles offense will have moments. I think there'll be some explosive plays. I think AJ Brown's going to make his mark. So yeah, I think 27, 17, it's maybe a little bit of a, a wider margin than, than predicted. But yeah, I, I think that the Eagles could kind of have this as like a get back on track and then start playing defenses that aren't run by really smart coaches that really have a handle on how to stop Jalen Hurts uh, moving forward.
0: Yeah, they still, I mean, they, but you look at their schedule. And it's like, you know, next week they have the uh commanders who they have yeah. a very good defense, two veteran defensive coaches there. The Rams, who don't have a lot of talent, but Raheem Morris is a veteran defensive yeah. coordinator. Jets, they're a top five defense to me. Dolphins haven't looked great so far, but they have Vic Fangio. Then it's the Commanders again. Then it's the Cowboys who I think have the best defense in the NFL. Then yep. it's the bye. Then <laughs> it's the Chiefs who don't have a great defense, but you have Steve Spagnolo. Then it's the Bills who have Sean McDermott. <laughs> then it's the Niners. Then it's the Cowboys. I mean, mm. this isn't getting easier with the defenses Good they're point. facing until like the last month of the season. You have Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. And I think those are four like, you know, definitely below average defenses and hopefully you've figured out things uh, by that point. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they perform this weekend. I have a similar read on the game as you. I, I think I'm giving the coaching staff and Hurts the benefit of the doubt that they're problem solvers, that they can look at something, see what defenses are doing to them, and come up with solutions now that they can catch their breath, like I said before, and have some additional time. So I don't think they're going to light up that Bucks defense. I think that's a top 10 defense with a lot of talented players on it, uh, but I do think it's going to look better. There's going to be more of a rhythm than there have, has been through the first uh, two weeks of the season. Defensively, I see it the same way you do. I'm not buying Baker Mayfield. I think they have an advantage up front. They're going to force them into some mistakes. Uh, I've got Eagles covering as well. I've got Eagles 24 bucks 16. Uh, So there could be some ups and downs, but I actually think this is going to, the Eagles are, I don't want to say get right game, but I think they're going to win maybe more comfortably than that line suggests. All right this was awesome. AJ e. Smith comes through once again, read his work in the Inquirer. It's awesome. He'll be on a flight to, uh, flight to Tampa
2: on yep, what? Tomorrow? To Saturday, to, right? Sunday morning. Yeah, Sunday there morning. There
0: you go. So oh, yeah, the game's on Monday, Sunday yeah. morning, and he will have everything covered there uh, on Monday night. Look forward to checking that out. Thank you to Cliff Augustine, for producing, I'm Shiel Capari. I'll be back with Benny Souls Monday night after Eagles Buccaneers. Talk to everyone then. Have a great weekend. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP253342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 supported Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPENY
1: or text HOPENY in New York. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I
2: went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing.